Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. And right now, we're in Acts chapter 11. And so if you have a Bible, if you'll turn over to Acts chapter 11, we're going to dive into that. Uh, but I have a lot of scriptures that I'm going to get to today. And I want to ask if you will just put a thumb in Acts chapter 11, but also turn over to Galatians chapter 5. So if you're in the book of Acts, if you go to the right just a little bit, um, you'll get to Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians, and so that's that's how I always remember it. G-E, Galatians, and then Ephesians. And so put your thumb on Galatians chapter 5. We'll get there. I have a lot of scripture that I want to share with you today. I'm going to put a lot on the board I'm going to read from Acts chapter 11 and Galatians chapter 5. But before I dive in this morning, I just want to give you a little bit of background of what's been stirring in me as I've been reading through Acts chapter 10, and we talked about that last week. And then Acts chapter 11 is really a recount, uh, a, a recap, if you will. It's Peter telling firsthand, as Luke has recorded it, of what exactly happened from Peter's perspective in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to focus on some key words there. Uh, but Peter talks specifically about what the Holy Spirit has done. You know what, let's, let's go ahead and read that, um, and then we'll come back to that. So in Acts chapter 11, uh, let's dive into this, and then we'll look at the key part that we're going to focus on. Now remember, this is Peter retelling what just happened in Acts chapter 10. So you may think, well, didn't we read that last week? We did read the account of what happened, but now we're going to see it from Peter's perspective. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Now let's pause there for just a minute. You remember last week as we were looking at this passage, one of the things that we saw here is Peter, who Jesus actually declared the rock. Your name is Peter. Simon became Peter. Jesus said, your name is Peter. You're the rock. And on you, I'm going to build my church. You're going to be the first to actually preach the gospel. And we actually see Peter actually doing that in Acts chapter 2. And then we, get, we fast forward a, a short period of time. And in Acts chapter 10, what we see is God gives Peter a vision. And he also stirs in Cornelius as Cornelius had a conversation uh, with an angel. And so God is stirring in these two people, Peter being the Jew and Cornelius being the Gentile, the Italian. And so they're far, far, far from one another. And they did not want to associate with each other. Peter, the Jew, would consider uh, Cornelius, the Gentile, as unclean. 
And so God speaks to Peter in a vision. God speaks to Cornelius. They join together. And what we see is Cornelius' house actually gives their life to Jesus Christ. And the scripture says to us, they actually receive the Holy Spirit. And as they receive the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in other languages so that the people around them understood the words that they were actually speaking. This miracle is actually performed. And Peter comes back so excited. And he's actually telling the other Jews what's happened. Hey, God has moved on the life of Cornelius and this Gentile. They've given their life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit filled them and they are now our brothers and sisters. And Peter comes back so excited and the Jews criticize him. Do you know sometimes whenever God stirs something in you and you are obedient to him, other people are going to criticize you. But does that change our obedience to God? Absolutely not. Does it change who we are as his sons and his daughters so that we say, hey, I'm getting criticism from some great believers and so therefore I'm going to listen to what those other believers say? No. Now there are wisdom from our brothers and sisters and we do not want to discard that wisdom and we'll see how Peter begins to actually deal with that here. But whenever God is clear, and you know for certain that God is clear, then listen, you have to have your mind made up that you are going to be obedient to what the Spirit stirs inside of you. And that's what Peter's doing here. As he begins to get the criticism, let's go on in verse 4. Starting from the beginning, and I love how Luke has recorded that right there. Whenever the, whenever the confrontation run, comes from the believers. Now remember, these are spirit-filled believers. Peter starts at the beginning. Verse 4, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Now why would you think that it would be important that Luke actually recorded those words right there? Starting from the beginning, verse 4, Peter told them the whole story. Do you know... If we were to take a look at this word, the whole story, and we were to actually flesh it out in some other words, we could say Peter told them all of the story. 100% all of the story. Do you know what all, the word all means? All, A-L-L, means all. All, all. A-L-L. That's what all means. All means all. That's all all means. Nothing else. Peter told them the whole story. Peter told them all of the story. That means that Peter left nothing else, nothing out. Do you know why Peter did that? Because he was telling what God was doing. And so this was a celebration, not of what God did in Peter and not of what God did in Cornelius, because this was not a work of Cornelius and this was certainly not a work of Peter. This was what God was doing. And if God is doing something, then we need to catch the whole story of that, all of it, 100%. And so Luke says, verse 4, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. And this is that. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, and if you have a red-letter edition, this is in red, knowing that this voice is the voice of Jesus speaking to Peter. 
Now, Peter would have known Jesus' voice because he spent some three to three and a half years with Jesus. And so the record here from Luke reminds us that this is Jesus in this vision speaking to Peter. And Jesus says in verse 7, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 8, I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. The voice of God. The voice of Jesus. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Verse 10. This happened three times. And then it was all pulled up to heaven again. I love that Peter points out here what we see in Acts chapter 10 that this happened three times. Three times. This week as I was praying over this passage of Scripture, God reminded me that Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And then when God came, Jesus came back to Peter and he said, do you love me? He asked three times. And here we see this again with Peter, three times. Three times Jesus had to speak directly to Peter. He said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. The vision happened three times and then it was pulled up into heaven again. We'll stop right there for just a second. Here's what's happening in this that, that happened three times. It wasn't an accident. If it happened one time, you could pass it off as an accident. If it happened two times, you could say, I wonder if it's something that I had for dinner last night. If it happened the third time, then you're 100% certain that what God is doing. God is affirming that he is uniting all of creation, all of mankind here in uniting Peter and in uniting Cornelius. And then, let's go on to verse 11. Right then, three men who had been sent from me to, um, from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me, have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had came on us at the beginning. There's the key, and I want you to catch that right there in verse 15. Peter said, what happened after I had this vision... And what happened after these men came to get me and I gathered six other brothers and we actually went to actually go be with Cornelius in his house. Peter said, catch this, it's in verse 15. The Holy Spirit came on them as he had came on us in the beginning. Hey, this is what happened in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came. That's what Peter's talking about. The same Holy Spirit that fell on the believers in Acts chapter 2, the Jews, the apostles, the ones who were with Jesus waiting for the promise that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1, that same Holy Spirit, Peter said, it's the same as it was in the beginning, is the same one that moved in Acts chapter 10. And then in verse 16, Peter says, Then I remembered what the Lord had said. The Lord stirred inside of him. Acts chapter 1, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he has given us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When he heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And so I want to just pause right here for just a second. And I want you to catch what's happened. Peter 
united with Gentiles. God moves on them. God gives them the Holy Spirit. Peter starts celebrating. He comes back. The other believers are upset. The other Jewish believers are upset. They said, this cannot be. They were criticizing Peter. Peter told them the whole story, all of the story, 100% of the story. And because Peter simply was explaining what God was doing, they celebrated the work of God. Do you know why? Because these believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. So two and a half weeks ago, in a little tiny town in Kentucky, there's a college called Asbury College. You may have seen it. It's been on the news. It's been on Facebook. And believers have been championing what's happening at Asbury. Two and a half weeks ago, some students went in for a chapel service, and that chapel service has not stopped for two and a half weeks. There are thousands of people who've come to this little tiny town in Kentucky because God is moving. It began in these college students, and God is moving, and they're saying that it mirrors the move of God in revival that broke out in our country in the 70s. And so God is working, and now people are coming from all over. People are getting saved. People are confessing, standing up in the service. They're confessing their sins. They're repenting, and they're surrendering to the Holy Spirit. These students are laying hands and they're praying over other students and then they're going back to their colleges. Ohio Christian is actually, Ohio Christian University is experiencing the same thing. Indiana Wesleyan is experiencing the same thing. Lee University. And God is moving through his Holy Spirit throughout college campuses. And I got so excited, I said, I've got to go to Asbury. I've got to get some kids from Warner Christian Academy and our youth group here at Whitechapel Church, and we've got to go to Asbury, and we've got to go to a service. I was excited, and I, so I got online. I looked at what it would cost to rent a 15-passenger van so that we could get the kids there. I looked at how long of a drive it was, and it's 12 and a half hours to drive up there with no stop. And I thought, oh man, I don't know if I want to. And so then I started figuring out how we could do this. What students is it going to be? I talked to Pastor Jordan. He was all excited about it. And the Lord stopped me. And he said, that's right for some people. But let's not jump into this just yet. Now, God is moving. And I'm not discounting what God is moving. He's moving. It's evidence. I mean, for college students for two and a half weeks to be in a service. And this is not just getting out of class for them. Because they're doing their work and turning their work in. I saw that and I said, that is a move of the Holy Spirit right there. And then I read this passage of Scripture. And I read what Peter said. Whenever Cornelius, who wasn't back in Acts chapter 2. Oh, he was around. But he wasn't in Acts chapter 2. We get to Acts chapter 11. And Peter says... The same thing that happened to us in Acts chapter 2 is the same thing that happened to Cornelius and the other Gentile believers in Acts chapter 10. And the Lord said, if I am moving in Asbury, do you think that you have to go to Asbury to get the move of God and bring it back like I've lit a torch and you're carrying the flame back to spark something here? He said, if I want to spark something, I'll spark something. And if you try to light something, it's not the flame that he wants to light. The same Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 is the same Holy Spirit that's moving in Asbury. 
And when we prepare ourselves and surrender exclusively to Him, we'll be the same Holy Spirit that moves in a mighty, mighty way right here in western Volusia County. Amen? Here's what we have to catch and here's what we understand. Here, here's what we have to understand. And we have to grasp this. God wants to move, right? It's God's desire, the scripture's clear, that no one should perish. God's desire is that his kingdom would come and conquer the kingdoms of this world. Those things are not debatable because they're clear in scripture. God wants to move inside of us. And we don't have to go get a flame and bring it to us. We just have to prepare ourselves for the move of His Spirit. And you know what I've experienced this year here at Whitechapel Church? I don't know about you. I want to tell you about me. I've experienced some amazing moves of the Holy Spirit in here and outside these walls as well. We've witnessed it through our thrift store and our outreach center. We've witnessed it in here and partaken of it on Sunday morning where it seems like the presence of God is just so thick you just want to sit and soak it in. We've witnessed it in Warner Christian Academy. We've watched as students have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and stood up and said, despite what others say, I want to be his son or his daughter. Listen, God is moving and the same spirit that moved in Acts chapter 2, the same spirit that moved on Cornelius and his family in Acts chapter 10 is the same spirit with the same power that wants to continue moving right here in this refuge of grace. We, we just have to come in alignment with the Holy Spirit. So what did Peter do here? in Acts chapter 10, that he retells the story in Acts chapter 11. Did Peter say, I'm a little upset that the Gentile believers don't have Jesus and they don't have the Holy Spirit? Does that, is that what Peter said? No. It was clear that three times something that was like a sheet that was held up at the corners came down in front of Peter that had all of this meat, all of these animals that Peter as a Jew would have deemed as unclean. Three times this happened. Also, God was also working in the heart of Cornelius. And as God was stirring in the heart of Cornelius, imagine the shock in these two. But here's what we have to catch. Peter did not have a desire to do this, and Cornelius did not have a desire to do this. Had that been the case, we would have seen Peter certainly doing this after Acts chapter 2, whenever he preached this powerful sermon and thousands of people came to Jesus Christ. Peter could have said, hey, let's go get the Gentiles now. Let's tell them about this Jesus. Let's tell them about how the Holy Spirit has came on us. But he didn't do that. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. So we have to be careful that we wait on God. We cannot manufacture a revival. We have to wait on God. Now we've seen some people try to manufacture a revival. And we've seen some of the results of that. And you can read books and you can read historical accounts of those things. But for a move of God to last, it has to be his move and not ours. Peter waited on the Holy Spirit. Cornelius waited on the Holy Spirit until God ordained the moment and God ordained the path and then God ordained the outcome. We can't get ahead of God. 
But here's the promise that we have. God is always ahead of us. You catch that? We cannot get ahead of God, but God is always ahead of us. Pastor Gary, several years ago, said something that, man, it just truly captured me as we were in a group that he was, I was in a group that he was leading. And in that, he said, we have a God who is ahead of us. I jotted it down, but later as I went back and I looked at my notes, man, that just excited me so much. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because God is already in my tomorrow. He's not confined by time. He's in the past, the present, and the future. I don't know how he is. He just is. He doesn't have to explain it to me. And the beautiful thing is God is not just in tomorrow. He's already into next week, next year, the next day, and, and on and on and on and on and on and so forth. God is everywhere ahead of us working. So what we have to do is listen to him in this moment in the way that Peter is now telling us what he actually did in Acts chapter 10. Peter just listened to the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit guided, he actually then walked in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Here's the important thing that I want you to catch this morning. Take a look. Um, let's come back to Acts chapter 11. Take a look at this. I want you to come down to verse 15, and I want you to just think about, if you take notes, I want you to write down Acts chapter 11, verse 15 and 16 and 17. And I want you to wrestle with these verses this week. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through these verses. Acts chapter 11, verse 15, 16, and 17. Listen again. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had came on us at the beginning. Again, this is what happened. This is Peter saying the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. The same thing that Jesus prophesied in Acts chapter 1, verse 16. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Now I want you to grasp what Peter is saying. So I'm going to put a couple of verses up here, and I want you to think about what was happening in Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1, Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead. That's amazing right there. He appeared in a new way to his followers. And before he descended, this is what he said. Peter just told us again in Acts chapter 11. These are Jesus' words. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. Now this is a dunamis power. And that dunamis power affects absolutely everything around it so that nothing has changed, just like we get the word dynamite from. Whenever you blow off a stick of dynamite and if you're anywhere near it, you know that that stick of dynamite has gone off. Whenever God decides to move through his believers, through his children, and we operate on the Holy Spirit's power and not our own power, we have a power that everyone will know it. And that's what's happening in Asbury. Everybody knows it. And it's amazing to me that God is using the media to spread what he's doing. God is using young people. They've now, after today, in the main chapel, they've opened up three other chapels on the campus. In the main chapel, they've restricted the age to 24 and under. 
That was the final straw that said, I can't go. (laughs) 24 and under. You know why? Because sometimes as a church, we've lived out the beginning of Acts chapter 11 with this younger generation. And we've criticized. We've complained about. We've said there's no hope. But you know what God is doing? He's using this generation. He's moving in this generation. And you know what I've prayed for us in this refuge of grace? I said, God, use what we're doing in, 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 in Warner Christian Academy every day, every day to lead us that think we know and to think that we have it figured out. God, use these teachers every day that are discipling our kids to bring a fresh move of your Holy Spirit in this land that revival spreads and tens of thousands of people will surrender their lives to you and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, we have to stop with the words of criticism. We have to get in line with what God is doing in the same way that Peter told the whole story and then they celebrated. I'm telling you the whole story this morning of what God has done. And listen, we have to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of these young people. Now, is it hard? Absolutely, it's hard. Is it expensive? Absolutely, it's expensive. Does it take countless hours and hard conversations? Absolutely it does. But I'll tell you, it's the right thing for us. I didn't dream it up. God God dreamt it up. God, it's God's plan. And we just have to come in alignment with what God is doing. God's not only going to work through our students here at Warner Christian Academy. God will choose whoever he chooses. God, God will select and operate. I've, I've just been praying for a move of God's spirit afresh and anew through every young person that is around us in the same way that we're actually seeing this in, uh, in Asbury. So what we have to ask ourselves the question is in Acts chapter, well, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. I wish I had been there. Because I would have had some follow-up questions for Jesus when he said that in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. I don't know because Luke doesn't tell us if the disciples had any follow-up questions for Jesus. It's not actually recorded. Jesus then just clarified and said, you're going to receive power like a dynamite that comes upon you when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then we actually see it happen in Acts chapter 2. There's a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit finally arrives, the scripture tells us it was like a mighty rushing wind that blew across them. And then we begin to see the Holy Spirit move in amazing ways in Acts chapter 2. It happens afresh and anew on the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. So the, and Peter retells it in Acts chapter 11. So the question that we have to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus, what is this move of the Holy Spirit? What is this baptism with the Holy Spirit that Jesus is actually telling us that is vital and then we see play out in Scripture? Because this is what we have to pursue in order for us to see a mighty move of God. It's this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, for some people, when you say that, 
it makes the, some, some folks that have been around the church very long, and I'm one of them, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm one of them. I went to church the first time when I was 16 days old. I'm a product of the church, and I'm thankful for that. But sometimes when we get this religious language and see what God is doing in the Holy Spirit, it causes us to have a little bit of pause sometimes. And whenever people start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it kind of makes the hair on the back of my neck come up sometimes. Because I've seen some people manipulate that, and I've seen some people try to make that actually work, and I've seen some bad fruit that has actually come out of that. But because we may have seen something that we don't like, does that mean we don't pursue what the Scripture is clear about? Absolutely not. Jesus said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is important. And the baptism of the, of the Holy Spirit is something that we have to pursue. So Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, is talking to some believers. They believed. If we were to look at Acts chapter 10 again, Cornelius and his house actually were believers. They were studying Scripture. They were pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. They were believers, but they needed Peter to actually explain things so this relationship would become as Jesus, as their Savior, their Messiah, and then the Holy Spirit would become their power. There are two different things at work here that I want you to catch. And if we're going to see a move of God, we have to understand and then pursue these two things. Jesus is the one who saves us. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. And we can't stop at the first work. We've got to pursue the second work. Because if we stop at the first work, we've not seen the fullness of what Jesus said has to happen. The Holy Spirit's power at work in his children. You can't simply rely upon a prayer that you may have prayed and then stop then. You have to pursue and ask God to fill you or baptize, another word, with his Holy Spirit so that the flesh stops operating and the Spirit begins operating inside of us. So let me explain to you how this happened to me this week. I got a mean email from somebody. You guys wouldn't know the circumstances of why I got this email. But I got a mean email from somebody this week. And man, when I got this email, I wanted to tell them because I was right and they were wrong. Have any of you ever been that way before? Yeah. And I wanted to tell them how wrong they were. And I was about to bring the gospel to them because they needed to get saved. And I was going to be the one to help them do it. And if they needed to be baptized, I was going to hold them under a little extra long to make sure that it actually took. We can do that as Pat. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I was ready to bring the wrath of God on this person. And so I paused for just a minute before I became a keyboard warrior and sent an email back off to that person. And this is what I prayed. Exact words. God, give me the words to say. Well, that ruined everything that I just wanted to do. <laughs> because he did. As I read Acts chapter 11, God made clear to me, I shifted in that moment from operating in the flesh to operating with the Holy Spirit's power. 
And you know what I received in that moment? Again, afresh and anew, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't be filled with, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit once, and that's perfect, and nothing else happens to you until you go to heaven. No, that's not how the move of the Spirit works. We need to be renewed and refreshed and filled every single moment of every day. It's not a once and done and I'm perfect type of thing. It's an every moment of every day. But you know what I did in that moment? Well, I had to repent and ask God to forgive me because I was operating in the flesh. And I wanted to tell them how wrong they were. God blocked me from sending an email to that person. You know what I did? I picked up the phone call. I picked up a phone and I called them and we had the most amazing conversation. And we agreed by the end of the conversation. Now, had I self-fleshly fired off an email, I probably would have severed some ties with that person that would have taken a long time to actually repair. And you know where Paul talks about this type of stuff? It's in Galatians chapter 5. And so I want to ask you for just a brief moment to turn to Galatians chapter 5 with me. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul begins to tell us what it's like to operate as somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This is the same Paul that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, whose name was Saul, who was killing the believers who was persecuting and arresting the believers, the Jews, Paul writes these words. After he's saved, after he has grown, matured in the faith, Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. You know another phrase for that? Be filled with the Spirit. That was a fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. In a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Paul's just putting it a little bit different here when he says, walk by the Spirit in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When I stopped and asked God to give me the words that I needed to reply in this email, do you know what I was doing? I just stopped and said, God, I've got to walk by the Spirit in this moment. Now, I didn't use those exact words. I was just asking for him to guide me. And boy, he did, he did guide me. I was wrong in that moment. I would have committed a sin had I sent off that email. But I paused and said, God, I need your help in this moment. I was walking by the Spirit so that I would not satisfy the desires of the flesh. I was wrong. And I want you to learn from my wrong in that moment so that we can be people that walk by the Spirit, that are filled with His Spirit, that are baptized by His Spirit, so that other people would be able to experience this refuge of grace. Verse, verse 17. Now catch what Paul is saying here. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And he lays them out. And listen, catch some of them that he actually lays out here in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, 
fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And catch this, verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Listen, we have to walk and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. That is what the baptism of the Spirit actually brings to us. It's not all of this other stuff. There are some gifts of the Spirit that we could talk about, but I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of God's Spirit actually being in you. Now catch what Paul says to us here in Galatians chapter 5. He does not say this is the fruit of a person that is filled with the Spirit. He doesn't say that this is the fruit that you produce. He says this is the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot produce these things in yourself. It's not possible. The Holy Spirit produces these things. That's why they're the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know what my flesh was wanting to produce? It was wanting to produce vengeance. It was not producing any of these nine fruits that we see here of the Holy Spirit. But whenever I stopped and I asked God to guide me in that moment, then the fruit of the Spirit came out when I didn't send an email and I picked up the phone and I actually made a phone call. You can't produce fruit. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what this is? This is an apple tree. What kind of fruit does an apple tree produce? It's, it's okay to talk. I, I promise. It's okay. I don't mind. This isn't class. You haven't have to raise your hand. What kind of fruit does an apple tree produce? Good. We're doing good here. What kind of fruit does an orange tree produce? Oranges. Man, you guys are passing with flying colors. What kind of fruit does a cherry tree produce? Cherries. What kind of fruit does a pear tree produce? Pears. Good job. Can an apple tree? Now, we're going to set aside manipulation of the apple tree. No genetically modified apple trees here, right? No grafts, no branches grafted in here. Can an apple tree produce cherries? Absolutely not. Can a pear tree produce oranges? Absolutely not. Apple trees produce apples. Orange trees produce oranges and so forth. They only produce the fruit that they were wired by God to produce. So what kind of, what kind of fruit does somebody baptized with the Holy Spirit produce? There's nine of them. There's nine of them. They're listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
There, there then are the nine fruits of the Spirit. We've got to make sure We've got to make sure that we are allowing the Holy Spirit by His baptism, His infilling, to produce those things inside of us. And the way that you get there, the way that you get there is not try to be more loving on your own. You can't try to be more patient on your own. There are not enough counselors, which are good things, by the way. There are not enough books that are written, which are good things, by the way. And there are not enough self-help sessions that you can go to, which are good things, by the way, that can produce the fruit of the Spirit inside of you. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit inside of you that has baptized you, that takes you and possesses you in the most amazing way possible and then produces these things. We have to be people that simply sit with God and ask that he would produce this fruit inside of us. That is the vital part for every single one of us. Growth simply comes from going deeper in the gospel and constantly dwelling on it. By going deeper in the gospel and constantly dwelling on it. That's when we'll see a move of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And I've underlined constantly dwelling on it here. Because you can't simply read something in the Word of God and then you've got it and then you run out and you apply it to your life. You've got to meditate on the Word of God. You've got to dwell constantly on the Word of God. You've got to surrender to the Word of God. And you've got to ask God to continue speaking to you on what you have digested from His Word so that then He, in filling you with this Spirit, produces the fruit that He actually desires. The way that we see a move of God, the way it's taking place in Asbury, the way it took place in Acts chapter 10, and the way it took place in Acts chapter Chapter two is when we in this refuge of grace simply dive into his word, spend time with him, and then ask him to produce these fruits, these nine fruits from Galatians 5.22 in every single one of us. So that's what I'm asking you to commit to today. Not this amazing thing that we've got to go out and we've got to figure it out because we don't. We just have to have, be a people to spend time with God in his word, praying with him, and then ask him to produce the fruit. You can't be patient enough to get to the patience that the fruit of the Spirit actually produces in you. You can't be self-controlled enough to get to the self-control that the fruit of the Spirit actually produces. And so this is what I want to ask you to commit to. Simply being a people in a refuge of grace that are committed to God's saving grace, but also to the infilling of the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit that he desires. So would you commit to that with me this morning? Would you commit to those two things? A relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Savior who washed our sins away. And what a beautiful thing that is. But then a group of people that's filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit so that the power produces the fruit. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word. Until next time, have a
have a great week and be blessed.